power on. Hey, if you have a project that needs reliable cryptocurrency data, check out blocktap.io. Blocktap.io is a universal cryptocurrency API. You can get historical prices for Bitcoin and other digital assets that you can use to build charts and do market analysis. Blockchain data is also indexed, so you can get transaction statistics, address balances, and more for Bitcoin and other networks. Blocktap.io is free for personal use, and you don't even need to create an account to access the API. To get started, try some of the example queries on the homepage at Blocktap.io. Again, that's B-L-O-C-K-T-A-P.io, Blocktap.io, and we thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Woo, let's get back to the show. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We begin with unprecedented new steps to fight the spread of COVID-19. For the first time in its history, South Korea's Catholic Church canceled Sunday Mass as that country grapples with the worst outbreak outside of China. At least 65 countries worldwide have now detected the virus. In Italy, where entire towns are on lockdown, more than 30 people have died. It's one of many countries struggling to contain the virus. Ross Lors has tonight's top story. In South Korea, the blame game is underway. Some officials want leaders of a church to be investigated on murder charges over the coronavirus. The reason? They say some members visited the epicenter of the outbreak, the Chinese city of Wuhan, in January. Then, church leaders allegedly interfered with government efforts to fight the outbreak. This South Korean health director says two patients who've been placed under self-quarantine have died, leading him to question how medical resources were allocated. That challenge, applying medical might properly, is a growing priority and not only in Asia. With cases in Britain rising into the dozens, the government is stepping up its response. What they're doing is testing literally thousands of of cases. We've, I think, done about 10,000 so far. And as you know, we found about 35 people in this country uh, have or have had uh, the illness. And clearly, there may be more. In Italy, tourism is running dry as that country grapples with a major outbreak. Another tourism landmark, the Louvre Museum in Paris, closed Sunday. Staffers reportedly refused to work over fears of contamination. The Paris half marathon was also postponed. But hundreds of athletes ran anyway, some suggesting new rules limiting large gatherings infringe on their freedom of movement. More conspicuous are boasts of confidence, like this one from Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard. We will defeat coronavirus, don't worry, says this guard official. Despite Iran's death toll climbing well into the dozens, the highest number outside China. Some neighbors have closed their borders with Iran. More signs of international inertia. Ross Lord, Global News. Just some breaking news here in Canada. Public health officials say four new COVID-19 cases have been confirmed in Ontario. That brings the total number in Canada to 24. South of the border, an outbreak is growing in Washington state. Jennifer Johnson has that angle. Officials in King County, Washington, now reporting two more cases of COVID-19, bringing the number of cases to six in the same county that saw the first U.S. death related to the virus. Officials still don't know how the man who died was infected. We have CDC on the ground immediately to assist uh, and support, uh, and they're working to identify it. 
But researchers say the virus in Washington may have been spreading for weeks and up to 1,500 residents could be infected, forcing the governor to declare a state of emergency. At this Seattle area nursing home, two people have tested positive for COVID-19 and over 50 others are showing symptoms. We're in the process of investigating this situation as an outbreak. The virus is spreading to America's East Coast. Rhode Island's governor is reporting its apparent first case of COVID-19. Be careful and be vigilant, but don't panic. The U.S. Surgeon General is urging Americans to stop buying face masks, fearing a shortage for health care professionals. President Donald Trump now says travelers going to high-risk countries will be screened before and after returning to America. Still, he's facing backlash after calling Democrats criticism of his response to the crisis, a hoax. This is not a democratic hoax. This is incompetence on the part of the president of the United States at the expense of the country and the world. Many experts are questioning why there still are so few test kits for the virus in the U.S. The Trump administration has given the Food and Drug Administration emergency authorization to create more. We now have the capability in out in the field to test 75,000 people, and within the next week or two, we'll have a radical expansion. Health officials sending out mixed messages, some urging the public not to panic because the risk of getting the virus is low, while others promising this first death is only the tip of the iceberg. President Trump will meet with major pharmaceutical companies Monday about the development of a possible vaccine, but that could take some time. He'll also meet with doctors at the Centers for Disease Control later this week. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. Back to our top story, the COVID-19 outbreak has also spread to the stock markets, taking them on a wild ride from record levels to the worst week they've seen since the 2008 financial crisis. It's Monday in the Middle East and already trading is down. Let's bring in Mark Yamada, an investment advisor, to talk about this situation. Mark, why is the virus having such an effect on the markets? Well, the one thing the market really hates is uncertainty. And there's a lot of uncertainty around COVID-19. While companies are scrambling to uh, check their supply chains, uh, market participants don't have that luxury. We have to make educated guesses with less than perfect information. And we're just not getting enough information now. So we can expect more losses on the market this week. Well, you, you rarely want to encourage people to think along those lines, but until we have better certainty, and of course we're never going to have complete certainty, uh, until we have more certainty, uh, we're going to be probing for, for new lows. And of course the market always overdoes it in both directions, both the upside and the downside, but we don't yet have enough uh, information to determine where the base is. Is it fair to compare this to the 2008 financial crisis? Um, not really. Uh, very different, but uh, equally as scary. The 2008-2009 crisis was really very closely associated with the banking structure. Uh, this is less uh, to do with the banking structure and more to do with corporate earnings and uncertainty surrounding what has really become an integrated global marketplace. We depend on China for an amazing amount of certain elements of our goods. 80%, for example, of pharmaceutical inputs come from this particular area in Hubei, uh, and we just don't know how things are going to change in terms of inventories. Could this have an impact on the next interest rate announcement? 
Oh, there's no question about it. I think one thing you can definitely expect over the next five days is either a single or concerted effort by central banks around the world uh, to provide credit. Banks around the world are going to make sure that everybody knows that credit is available so that because of the delays that may be occurring in the banking system, that there should be no problem. But of course, it's, it's not an antidote to what's going on in the world, but it is a help. Accessing Historical Database Year 2020 The tech giants become aware of the greatest threat to their corporatist domination. An obscure science and tech podcast becomes a major factor in a peaceful open source revolt against the military Silicon Valley Industrial Complex. The podcast, Sovereign Tech Its host, Dr. Brian Sovereign The tech giants try to stop Sovereign Tech. They can't. Woo! If you've got the match, I've got the gas, baby. <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? That could come off weird. It is the man of tomorrow. Savzu, the rated R radio star, ready to get into some sovereign tech this week. And we actually have kind of a special sovereign tech one by request, actually out of the sovereign tech telegram group. Of course, you can find the link for that in the show notes. You can find it in the show notes everywhere. Uh, so you, you can't miss it. It's at the top. It's at the bottom. It's in the middle. There's no way you can miss it. All you got to do is click that link, have telegram and you are in baby. Um, and I, I, as I say every week, I mean, the conversations happening in there are second to none discussed by some of the most brilliant people I've ever known in my life. Uh, and I, and I mean that, uh, man, it, it is a dynamite group to be a part of. And this question came up, uh, really, uh, well, I guess over a week ago, a couple weeks ago, perhaps, and it's relevant to something that, well, as you heard at the top of the show, uh, some of the audio getting played there. To, uh, well, <laughs> what some are, I mean, we don't need to banty about terms of pandemic and epidemic. I mean, you have people that are saying, oh, no, it's not a pandemic. It's an epidemic. Oh, no, it's an epidemic. No, it's pandemic. We don't need to go there. We are talking about nothing less than the coronavirus, which, of course, really. And what we're going to do. Well, OK, let, let me finish. Of course, really, you have to understand there is not just one. I mean, right now, there's one concern around one particular coronavirus, that being COVID-19, as it's being called. But coronavirus is basically a family. You know, it's part of SARS relative to SARS. Uh, I mean, look, don't, you know, as far as this kind of stuff goes, I have through, I'll admit this, okay, we are going to get into a conversation around what this means from a tech angle, and then perhaps some general survivability just in case. Okay. Now, according, I think it's according to the World Health Organization, um, 
as we understand it, there is a only a one to three percent uh, fatality rate or mortality rate uh, with COVID-19, which is what we should really call it, um, you know, to be particular. And perhaps that's what I'll reference it as throughout this episode. Um, we're going to get into all of that, but I have to admit, okay, that medical knowledge or at least knowledge, medical knowledge in this sense. I mean, I know a lot about, you know, basic biology and how that, you know, uh, pertains to fitness, um, I am certainly actually as late been spending a lot of time learning more about diet, even though I've always had a, a fair interest in that and, and have always, you know, read, been reading plenty of books, uh, about the human diet for well, over a decade at least, but really for many years. Um, and I've tried, uh, many diets over the years. So while I do have medical knowledge to a degree, and certainly I have some interest in neuroscience and things like this, uh, that I spend a lot of time on admittedly, you know, when it comes to, you know, disease, you know, viruses, a lot of these other things, um, that has never been my specialty. So I am not going to spend a ton of time breaking down. Well, I like to think I'm a smart fellow, but I'm not going to spend a ton of time breaking down, uh, you know, COVID-19 in particular. That's just not my field of study. But I do think, and this is what was asked, and I was asked about this for two reasons, to do a show about this and to talk about uh, COVID-19 at this time. One was the tech angle. What does this mean as far as that goes, especially if this gets to, and, and we'll talk about like the real concerns, because again, Okay, there's only per at at worst right now a three percent mortality rate, or fatality rate. You know, it, there's that. Okay, we'll talk about though that really the level of fatality is not perhaps not the biggest deal. I mean, you know, any human ever dying is a huge deal, no doubt. Any human, okay. Um, but there are broader concerns of how this affects the world stage. Okay, that that we need to discuss. But there's a tech angle to this that I think is important. Um, and then, uh, you know, I mean, we could talk about some of the sociological aspects, I suppose. We'll get into a bit of that. But the other thing that I was asked about, not just the tech angle, but was, you know, general survival techniques, tactics uh, based on my military background. And, you know, and I'm happy to to discuss both. Um, I will say, as we get into this, that this is going to be a very broad ranging discussion. There will be very specific actionable items that you can walk away with as far as this goes. But a lot of what I'm going to talk about here is really just best life practices anyway. Okay. Um, I think first off, I'll, I'll say this uh, before we even deep dive on some, perhaps some of the stats uh, on COVID-19 itself. Um, the first step in uh, how to get prepared. Okay. Uh, we are admittedly as much as I on the show may rip on the big, bad internet. Um, one of the best ways that tech, you know, the tech world in general can help you with preparedness is take a good look when SARS was a big deal a few years ago, right? When there was that big scare and you had a lot of people that prepped for that. Uh, probably in similar ways to how a lot of people are planning to prep or are already prepped uh, for COVID-19. You can look back and see what worked, what was wasted, what didn't work. 
And that is very, very helpful information to go back and look at those things. And I did that myself uh, because, I mean, you know, th this is just this is, just, you know, when you have prior cases uh, that are that are relatively similar, which, you know, kind of the global scare uh, of SARS was OK. Um, yeah, it's a good idea to, well, don't repeat history. So go back and learn from it. Right. I mean, that's just that that's best practice. Number one whether you're on the internet or not. I mean, you, you should just do that. And this is why it's important to, well, one, um, I would say pay attention. Of course, that that's the most important thing that any human being can do, uh, in any situation is pay attention. Uh, but two, of course, as I've said, and I think I talked about this recently on a Q and a, uh, on a Zomi one underground only Q and a that you need to have a sense of history. You have to have it. Now, it's great that you can go back perhaps with something that you might not have paid so much attention to or that you can get details on, like Reddit posts about how people were prepping for SARS or whatever. That's great. Okay. But you have to have an overall, at least generalist sense, or you don't have to have it if you don't want. Okay. But then I think that's a recipe for failure at anything and everything. But having a sense of history is... To use a colloquialism, that's what separates the men from the boys in this world right now, especially right now. Okay. There was a time where you went through, I mean, you know, over a hundred years ago, whatever, where people went through life and they couldn't even have really have a sense of history. Like the, the information just wasn't accessible. I mean, you have to understand that, you know, a hundred to 200 years ago, uh, half the reason, and I mean this half the reason people went to church was just to get the weekly news. Like <laughs> that was, that was, that was news at 11, you know, while you're in the pew. Uh, that's how you got it. I mean, newspapers were kind of a thing, but even then those weren't terribly accessible. And I mean, now you go to church and you're likely to get COVID-19. Uh, well, all right. <laughs> no, no God jokes here. <laughs> you know, you could easily say it's like, wait a minute. Why do you have to close the door of the church? Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't God put up a little shield there? I don't know. Protective barrier from COVID. Oh, well. Um, anyway, but now there's no excuse. You absolutely can have a very real sense of history. Uh, and even though, you know, history could be argued to be a soft science, you can have a very, very real sense of it. And that's really where all of this, uh, should start is that look back at perhaps most specifically past mistakes. Uh, because I think what a lot of people, as we get into this, again, we're not just going to talk about the tech angle. We are going to talk about a general survival angle, uh, and food is certainly going to be a part of that. Um, that is a big area to look at is, you know, what, what food stores that people did in the past is in, you know, stocks of food that they, that they made, uh, and how they stored them. Um, you know, what mistakes were made there? There's a lot to learn from that. Okay. So I want you to check that out. Um, now, I mean, to understand and, and maybe to get some grasp of the tech angle, I'll put a link in the show notes for this, even, uh, MIT, which they have their, what is it? Their technology review website. Even they posted basically a blog post, I mean, or an editorial piece um, about prepping for COVID-19. MIT did. Now, we did just have, um, I want to say Sunday, or maybe it was Monday. I know it was yesterday. It was, uh, it was Monday, I guess that's what, March 2nd? Is that right? Yeah, okay. Uh, Monday, March 2nd, there was the first reported case um, in Boston. Uh, or, well, I think the case in Boston was reported earlier, but where I live, of course, in the Silicon Milliard of New Hampshire, uh, the first case in New Hampshire, 
was reported as of yesterday, and I'm pretty sure it came from Boston. Uh, in fact, because it's funny, if you read the MIT article, uh, they basically say that, well, why am I worried about this in Boston? Because it's going to happen here sooner or later. Well, guess what? It, it has. And I guess to get some perspective, let's hit that. Uh, and by the way, the article, as far as like what it recommends, meh. I mean, it's more an editorial piece. I don't think that it really gives great advice as far as, as far as prepping goes. Uh, that's my opinion on the matter. And we're going to, again, I want to give you some numbers here after these numbers. I want to explain to you where I'm coming from with this and what my concerns are around this. So as it stands right now, in fact, I will refresh this page, worldmeters.info, uh, .info, info, world, world meter, worldo That's the website. Uh, so, and it's tracking the COVID-19 uh, coronavirus outbreak and it's, we have 92,849 uh, reported cases. Of course, you can click on a link here and view by country if you want to. To date, there are 3,168 deaths from COVID-19. Uh, and also, but I mean, you know, those are cases reported. However, there are over 48,000 people that have recovered from uh, COVID-19. Now this gets at, and, and basically that all of that chalks up to with the deaths and people that have recovered has chalked up to over 51,000 closed cases with COVID-19 with 41,000 still active. And obviously the number growing, even though I think I had just read that in China, uh, the reports are, are starting to taper off and slow down, but it's still going around the world. Now, why are we talking about this? Is this, you know, has, has the golden stallion gone all Alex Jones? And it's like, Oh, you got to get ready for the big one folks. No, <laughs> stop. No, I think it's accurate that, uh, COVID-19, uh, the, like the, the fatality rate of it, uh, is exceptionally low. That doesn't mean it shouldn't be taken seriously. Again, any human death is a tragedy, any, and for whatever reason. Okay. But it is important to really keep in mind that while it may not be something that can that that can kill you, uh, clearly the demographic that is the most affected by this, uh, you know, is the elderly. Uh, and I say that with respect. Um, I have retirees in my in my listenership, you know, <laughs> so um, but the concern here, I think, for a lot of people isn't even as much. The and, and this is going to speak to a couple things, but it isn't even as much the fatality possibilities, okay, or the mortality issues here. More so for a lot of people, I think, are the economic concerns, because what has been happening, at least in China and in other countries, are straight up quarantines, uh, entire apartment complexes, as I understand it. Um, and, you know, sometimes you got to wonder about this information, but I mean, just based on some things that I've seen reported here and there. Uh, you know, you have entire apartment complexes that are getting locked up. People can't leave their own apartment, you know, whether they're infected or not, you have quarantine going on for often 14 days at a shot. Um, you have businesses shutting down. You have some businesses I think that are being a bit, are pretty smart about it. And they're actually, actually, I think Logmian, who of course operates LastPass, um, this got shared in the Telegram group recently, uh, for Sovereign Tech, that uh, Logmian 
they are making available tools so that their workers can more easily work remotely. They are making, you know, software and whatever, and they're giving them access to all the software for free. So that way, again, they could just stay home and, but keep the gears turning, right? Keep the widgets coming out. <laughs> and so, so there's some companies that are adapting very well uh, to that. Now that's not, and I know also in my, in my listenership, I know I have a ton of digital nomads and, and, you know, special message to you. Well, it's actually not a special message, but message to you. A lot of what I'm talking about here are good practices for digital nomads as well. So, you know, you can, you can take that for what you will. Um, but I mean, you know, and actually digital nomads, uh, you know, if you're traveling a lot, Ooh, I mean, I'll admit it. I, I'm not, I'm not worried about the, you know, about dying. If I had, you know, if I do happen to uh, uh, be infected with COVID-19, um, I'll explain parts of why I'm not that worried about that. Uh, but I, I would, I really, I'd rather not travel right now. And I, I'm glad that, that my travel, I got it done earlier in the month and, and I'm set. Uh, it does take, I mean, understand it takes anywhere from a couple days to a couple weeks for you to see symptoms of being inve- uh, infected with COVID-19. Um, and of course this is past, you know, what do they say? Like respiratory droplets, right? Spreading by sneezing, coughing. In fact, uh, you know, one of the first pieces of advice um, that we're going to to get into here, uh, not yet, but we'll get into in a minute, uh, is, you know, to wash your hands a lot. And in fact, there has been a seemingly a mad dash, uh, at least on Amazon. I can't, can't really speak to stores, um, but we do know on Amazon that Germex is uh, good luck getting your hands on some Germex, right? Which is basically, you know, the gel you can buy where uh, you don't hit, you don't, you don't need a sink, you know, or you see them in hospitals and things like this. Well, there's actually a concern around that, but we'll, we'll get into that in a second. So to understand why COVID-19 is really a concern, again, it's not so much the fatality. The concern is, is the interruption in the quote unquote flow of traffic. Okay. Meaning the economy is getting hit by this. And you've already probably seen a million different reports uh, about the matter. I mean, I even saw in like in gaming news that Nintendo was saying, oh, you know, there's actually going to be distribution delays on the Nintendo Switch uh, because of COVID-19. I mean, that that's how serious it is. Uh, you already have, I mean, the Federal Reserve actually announced this morning as of this recording uh, that they are making rate cuts to try and offset the economic effects of COVID-19. So the concern is, is that even if it doesn't kill a significant, what would be considered a significant portion of the Earth's population, it does because of actions taken by, you know, varying countries, including the fact, I mean, this just shows the problem with a really a centralized economy. And I don't, I don't necessarily want to get in, get into globalism here, but, the, but just how powerful of an economic force China is, is that when they start quarantining and shutting down businesses, it affects the entire planet, right? And we might revisit that subject later on in this episode, but you know, the economic holdups, um, you know, people as, as this does grow in concern, um, you know, the mob never, (laughs) the mob is a, what is it? The individual is intelligent. The mob is a moron, 
right? That's the old saying. Uh, well, the mob is going to be, you know, they might go out and do mad dashes for kind of like when you hear there's a snowstorm coming, right? Everybody goes out and buys bread and milk. Nobody knows why they're buying bread and milk, but they go out and do it. And so, you know, you might have the mob uh, go out and, and I don't mean the sharp dressed men, but I mean, you know, the mob is going to go out and buy a bunch of food and then you go to the store and maybe food prices skyrocket because of this, whatever. Uh, what does it have to do with the price of rice, right? I mean, you go down the fucking list. Okay, so there are, there are genuine, whether or not this is going to, because I know that's what most people are saying. It's like, well, but it only kills a few people. Yeah, but you're only looking at that aspect of, of how COVID-19 is affecting civilization. You're only looking at, is, does it kill people? You are not looking at, wait, what does that do to the economy? And so on. And I mean, again, keep in mind, the mob groupthink, it's not rational, right? And we know, study after study, situation after situation, um, just how people will act based upon perception. Most people won't, I mean, the average person, especially when they go on, speaking of going online to look for info, won't go past a headline, you know, and, and they are just going to really react, um, you know, based on incredible, very little information. And also most people, frankly, aren't really well educated on how to handle these kinds of situations. You know, I mean, in China, and in other parts of the world, I mean, there's, there's places where this kind of stuff, uh, you know, people see this almost as order of the day, um, where you see them wearing something we'll talk about also later on, uh, you know, they're wearing face masks all the time. Right. Uh, now part of that has to do with, well, industrialization or extreme industrialization, uh, you know, dust and, and smog, all other kinds of crap. Um, you know, it's not just matters of disease, but I mean that they're, some, some places get this, others don't, you know, and certainly the United States in many ways has been fortunate in that it has, in fact, I think one of the, one of the reasons the United States has been able to, dare I say, medically prosper up until now, really, is because everything's so spread out here. You know, most other parts of the world or many other parts of the world, every, everybody's right on fucking top of each other, you know, as to where we're very spread out. We usually have lots of space, we, you know, uh, people, Americans, people in the United States uh, are often very used to just like having, you know, lots and lots of space around them in their home, in their apartment, even whatever, you know, where it's that's not the case in other parts of the world. Okay. And so they're a little more used to this and not to say that they even necessarily handle them right or handle those situations the best. Um, I mean, we could certainly go down lists of that, but regardless, I say all of this to suggest that there are ramifications of COVID-19 that go and why you may want to be prepared for it, why you may want to be prepared for it, that go beyond whether or not you're going to live or die due to being infected. Okay. The other part that I think is very important to bring up is that there's, you know, with viruses, there is always, as with much of life, there's always the chance for mutation. What at some point is a simple part of the, you know, coronavirus family could become something far more deadly. And I think we need to be intellectually honest in admitting that that is always a possibility. And that's why it's always a good idea to be prepared uh, with these things. So even if you're the type 
I'm not worried about this. This isn't going to kill me. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. And that's fine. And I know where you're coming from. All right. I'm also, like I said, I'm not really worried about it on that end. Even if you're that kind, there are still the potential for, again, whether it's real or not, it's all about perception. Okay. There, I, I mean, there's no doubt COVID-19 and people are dying from it, that that's real, but whether it is as serious as some are taking it or not, perception is everything. And that perception is, I mean, and, and, you know, markets and everything very much run off of perception, whether that's a good thing or not, or whatever, that's, that's how it is. So pay attention, like I said earlier, and here are some things take and leave whatever you want. Okay. Uh, these are general practices and, or not, not, I mean, some of it's very specific that I guarantee you, you'd probably only hear here. In fact, I know you're only going to hear them here, especially when it comes to the tech stuff, because I don't see anywhere else talking about these things. Okay. And we will get into them ways to communicate, uh, and, and so on. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's an important conversation to have, and it's an episode, this episode, I think is a keeper. It's one you're going to want, you know, uh, whether, whether, whatever happens with COVID-19, this is something you're going to, to want for the future. Or maybe you're going to think about just having a bug out bag. I think these are great and wonderful things to always have in mind or to have on hand specifically, or to get in the practice of using, um, which anyway, we'll talk about that as we go through it. So why don't we start talking about preparedness here? And I guess I'll say just before we get into the tech stuff um, or in items that you could get your hands on uh, again, not a doctor, not giving hundred percent medical advice here or anything like that. But what I do consider to be a medical fact. Okay. Um, actually, you know, Oh yeah. Okay. I, I have a whole list that I want to break down with you and discuss with you that I think are helpful. So I think where we should start is with mind body. It's not a conversation around food. It's not a conversation. In fact, I mean, I'm barely, I'm not going to talk much about what foods to store and things like that at all. Um, if that is one of your concerns, I'll bring up a couple things maybe later on, but my, the main thing I want to suggest to you, okay, is with when encountering any medical condition, preventative care, I mean, this is common sense, but preventative care is so important. And I think a method of preventative, uh, dare I say preventative medicine, <laughs> it's not really medicine. It's, it's a physical thing that you do. Uh, just like having a good knowledge of history is a, is a great way to protect yourself. Uh, I'll just, and, and look, I know everybody has their different tolerances and abilities and conditions and whatever, you know, uh, genetic issues or accidents or whatever they, they have gone through or going through in life. I understand, but I would be remiss. Okay. Now, granted, I am a pretty hardcore fitness enthusiast. Okay. Uh, I go to the gym more or less seven days a week, um, for, and that's not like five minutes in the gym either. <laughs> okay. That's, that's anywhere from an hour to two and a half hours, uh, per day that I go to the gym. Obviously I take this very seriously. Now, there are many reasons that I go to the gym. Yes, I want to look very good naked. I have no problem admitting that. But another very important reason is that having 
muscle mass. Okay. And so this speaks specifically very much to strength training, but also, you know, really just having a uh, uh, great cardiovascular health and so on. These, any of those things are an edge when you encounter any infection. Okay. The more your body has to draw from, okay, be it your, uh, you know, muscular development, whatever, the more strength, the more energy, the more power it has to draw from, from your physical body, the better your chances are to survive any infection. That's, I mean, that's just a medical fact. I mean, that, I don't think there's anybody out there that would argue that. The only people that argue against getting fed, I think, are like Bill Gates, where they say, well, the amount of time you spend in the gym or working out or going for a jog or walking or whatever, uh, you know, like that takes away so many years at the end of your life or that takes away so much time that if you just didn't do those things, you'd actually spend more time on earth doing whatever it is that you wanted to do. Uh, that's a very fallacious argument. Um, I mean, if you look at Bill Gates, you can kind of see that, boy, he's lived that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I th that argument makes no sense whatsoever because are you living those minutes and those moments and those hours and those extra days at the height of your ability, at the height of happiness and health, you know, to the best of your ability. And I want to be very clear that everybody has different abilities. Okay. Um, no, you're not. And I, I really get annoyed by those kinds of arguments. There's even people who make those kind of arguments about smoking, you know, it's like, yeah, well, smoking takes seven minutes off your life with every cigarette, but then they're little years at the end. And so why do I care? Uh, you know, I'll be living a happier life smoking and blah, blah, it's, stop. And I know a comedian did that too, but there's people who really think that way. And that that's really, really tragic. Okay. I, I have a saying, of course, I'm an anarchist folks. Uh, nothing new for long time listeners, of course. But just in case you might be the first, this is the first time you've ever heard this. Um, I am an anarchist. And uh, one of the ways that, and, I mean, we could get into a big discussion of, dare I say, how a monoculture of authority is part and parcel of what's allowing something like COVID-19 to even do what it's doing or anything of its ilk. Um, one of my tactics, and uh, I don't know anyone else has really said this, so uh, I'll take it as mine, but one of my tactics, one of my recommendations, one of my uh, strategies for quote unquote beating the authoritarian stru uh, structures that, that we exist under has nothing to do with any kind of violence, but it is quite to, to quite simply outlive them. Okay. Uh, I mean, we, we could think of, <laughs> even if you're, you know, uh, the kind that's more concerned about corporatism and a lot of other things, uh, outlive all of the companies that are doing egregious shit outlive the armies, the governments, whatever that are doing egregious shit. And you can, I mean, America is unique in that it has a government that has lasted for so long. Granted, I would argue that even though it's still using the Constitution, uh, that goddamn piece of paper, as it were, <laughs> uh, is, I mean, has been completely marred and means something completely different than it ever did uh, today in a, in a very real way. So, yeah, governments change all the time. I would argue even in the United States, even if, you know, people want to say, oh, this republic has stood for blah, blah. No, no, no. 
because I mean, you look at some presidents from, uh, you know, hundred, 200 years ago, uh, they would look at, you know, at the legal framework of today and they would be begging for King George to come back. Really? So these things come and go. And I think one of the best uh, strategies you can have is to outlive all of this shit. And the way you outlive it, okay, is not by jacking in robotic parts, you know, unless you lost a leg or something. And certainly I've had friends that have done that, uh, but not by injecting robot parts in you or cybernetic devices or whatever, or staring at your smartphone. The way you do that is by being as healthy as you can, as you can. I'm being very particular on that. I don't expect everybody to walk around like a bunch of Schwarzeneggers, okay? As you can. That will get you through COVID. That will help get you through COVID-19. No guarantees in life. It'll help you get through all kinds of bullshit. It will keep you out of your concern. I mean, this because this is another concern, right? Is that, well, you know, this is like COVID-19, regardless if it's going to kill anybody or not, or any more people, it's already backing up hospitals and the healthcare system in general in multiple countries. What do you do about that when something, you know, really, really life-threatening for a lot of people or for an individual uh, happens and you can't get into the emergency room because something to do with COVID-19? That's a problem. So what do you do? Well, you fucking take care of yourself as best as you possibly can to avoid having to go to the doctor or the hospital in the first place, to avoid having to engage the healthcare system in the first place. Um, I mean, this is a big conversation that we could have and probably should have, even though I've already had it to some degree many times on the show. But I just want to put that out there that really one of the best things that anybody could do right now is you know, ahead of the game is just get fit and start now. Even if you think, well, shit, yeah, but I'm, I'm not fit now. So, you know, COVID-19 is going to get me or something like that. Start now, start building up, you know, your body, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and your, your immune system. I mean, look, we don't have to go down the numbers of everything that, you know, strength training or even just walking for 20 minutes a day or whatever, what that will do for you. But for fuck's sake, do it and start now. Cause you don't know, like I said, I mean, you never, you always wonder about mutations, right? You just, you don't know what shape that this kind of stuff will take. And when we get to the end of this episode, uh, there might be other points that I bring up as well of why that might be important. Okay. We'll see where we get, but please. Okay. Start paying attention to your fitness And as far as food, well, you know, that's a big part of that. So definitely keep that under consideration. Like, like I said, food is not going to be a major concentration, um, you know, of this episode or of my take on this. We'll get into it a little bit, but please, please do something about your health. That is the easiest. Yes. Or I know it can be hard to get started, but it's, it's the simplest. And frankly, it doesn't have to cost a goddamn dime thing for you to do right now. Okay. There is no, no run on any grocery store or on Amazon or whatever is going to keep you from getting a good walk in, doing some pushups, whatever, anything to just get your body, uh, uh, you know, moving more than it was and get your, get your whole system in a better place. If you encounter COVID-19. Okay. So there's that. 
All right. You don't have to, I'm not, no one's saying you have to go to the gym seven days a week or two hours a night or whatever. You know, I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying, get yourself in a better place uh, uh, physically. So now with that said, let's talk a little bit about mentally. Um, I think it's always good. Okay. Again, and, and as soon as I, I'm done with this, we're going to get into the tech angle. All right. Which is I, where I know a lot of you are wanting to hear from me. Granted, this is a show about science and technology, so not that we're out of our wheelhouse here. But regardless, um, mentally, I'm going to recommend a book, okay? And I have recommended this book many times. It has been on several top eight episodes that I have done with books. Um, it is a book. Let me, let me, I'll let you in on a little hint. If I ever, and, and usually I, I want you like nearby, I, I mean, because I have friends who live abroad, certainly, and some of them dearest of friends who live abroad. Um, but if you live near me, okay, and if I have bought this book for you, understand that I want you to be alive. <laughs> okay, <laughs> It is a high compliment if I buy you a copy of this book. Um, I think this is just one of the most important books ever made. Uh, it is brilliant, incredibly information dense. There really is no other book quite like it in the world, in my opinion. Um, and it is one that I, I mean, th there have been times where the knowledge that I gleaned from this book uh, has also allowed me to survive in, in certain situations. And the book is called The Art of Shen Ku. S-H-E-N-K-U, The Art of Shen Ku. And it's by, you'll see it's by a guy named Zeke, Z-E-E-K, but that's not his real name. Um, this is by, was done by a guy who more or less circumnavigated the world, okay? Uh, it's, it's a fairly new book. I, I want to say it came out in the year 2000, 2001, something like that. Um, I know it came out before uh, I joined the military, and that's when I actually, some of that knowledge came into practical application was when I was overseas. And basically this book is laid out as a, I mean, it's very much a survival guide, but Zeke lays it out as, okay, the art of Shenku is the art of the galactic traveler. Okay. And so this is a book, I mean, it, it's somewhat reminiscent, although very real of perhaps like the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. This is meant for you to be able to survive wherever you happen to be. And, and he even likes to, the author even likes to somewhat apply it to if you find yourself amongst the stars, you know, and not just, not just on earth, uh, which I think is, is really, I mean, it's such a cool book. Uh, just, I put a link, I'll have a link in the show notes for everything that I'm recommending. Um, I am not telling you these things. I get no commission for recommending any of these things. I get no Amazon commission for recommend none. You can look at the tracking link. You will see no commission whatsoever. Um, if there's an Amazon link, it may give something to the tour project, but that's all. Okay. It does nothing for me. I am not selling you shit. I am just telling you stuff that, okay. Listeners asked. Stallion, what do you think about this? What do we do about COVID-19, et cetera? With your, you know, with your background, what are your recommendations? That's what I am giving to you. This is not, this is probably not an episode I would have done if I wasn't asked to do it. But also keep in mind, I am not looking to make any money off of this episode. Okay. Not, not like that, where I'm recommending products that, uh, anyway, I don't want to get sidetracked on that, but I'm just making that clear and making you aware. Okay. But check out just the pages of this book and you will be in awe 
at the, again, the information density here, uh, there's, I mean, there's a, the artwork in it is beautiful on its own, uh, because a lot of things, I mean, there's a lot of bullet points and stuff laid out. Um, but then it's also shown visually with, you know, drawn characters with animated characters, uh, or not animated. I mean, they're animated in that they're, you know, showing motions, but anyway, uh, this is a brilliant book. Uh, I've talked about it many times over the years and it, it has, I mean, it has recipes. It has, you know, how to build a shelter, how to build a boat. Uh, it has like self-defense strategies, all kinds of wild shit, how to build this, how to do that. What does it mean when your nails look like X, uh, go down the list. I mean, this is a quintessential book to have on hand at all times. Okay. And it's one book that I will always keep a paper copy of, even though I have had it scanned. Um, because it's not available as an ebook normally, uh, but I've taken care of that. Um, but this is the one that, you know, if there's one book you can hold on to, this is the one you want to hold on to. And it's entertaining too. Like there's funny stuff in it. it it's, it's really it, there again, there's no other book like it. This, this book should be reprinted into perpetuity, uh, and, and should always be available. It, it's, it's a really, really stunning piece of work. So I recommend that just in case things happen to get that bad, but also there are just great tips overall, um, within this book, even how to engage people, uh, how to hide money, how to do, I mean, there's, there's so much great shit in this book and it's not that old. Understand like this is not outdated information by any means. Um, and actually it's enjoyable, frankly, to read something that has nothing to do with the internet. Uh, even though it came out certainly when the internet was, was starting to come into prominence. Um, so the art of Shenku. So, you know, again, Bring, just bring up your level of physical fitness. Okay. Have a knowledge of history. Get the art of Shenku. That's the only book I'm going to recommend here. Okay. As far as, as far as, um, you know, something that might be helpful for you to have your hands on. All right. So there we got that. Let's get into the tech. Okay. Let's talk about tech. Now, uh, it is interesting that, uh, governments, uh, around the world are recommending that people basically get on social media and, um, you know, be engaged there to find out what's going on. Um, I, I get it. I, I don't, I don't know that being on social media is necessarily a great thing, uh, for this. In fact, I really, I think they want people on social media talking about it and, uh, you know, announcing things and perhaps even talking about when, like even was, I think came out and said, Oh, my daughter has, has COVID-19 and, uh, you know, and, and, and so on. I mean, understand that a lot of medical data is extracted as well as, uh, should I say medical trends or even, um, infectious trends and so on are tracked on Facebook, Twitter, go down Instagram, I'm sure as well, go down the list of them, um, as much as in any other way. I mean, as, as much as any other data, um, and I kind of feel like that's what they want here. And I suppose a case could be made that that's a good thing. I suppose a case could be made that, uh, you know, having access to local warnings from the, you know, the local organization's Facebook page or something could be uh, a helpful thing, you know, and to get notifications about that. I, I guess I could see all of those things. Um, I think, you know, if, if the concern is health, right, is our health, uh, I think social media bar none across the board is just straight up unhealthy, straight up. And there's, there are other ways to get information if you need it. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> I mean, that that's like, that's like saying, uh, no, here, stop smoking, but here, have a drink. You know, it's like, wait, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's, there's the, the conspiratorial part of my mind. It's just like, oh boy, you know, uh, yeah, don't let any, any crisis go to waste. And this is just to get people, you know, more entrenched, uh, in systems that allow them to be tracked even more. And I, I yeah, anyway, I, whatever, maybe you'll find that useful. And there's certainly ways that you could go about spoofing, uh, whose account, you know, your account and, and being able to keep track of the stuff. But I think that actually defeats the purpose, right? Um, if you're having a, have a spoofed account, but then you're kind of engaging there to be part of like a community watch of some kind for these sorts of concerns, it just doesn't make sense. Um, something that's interesting. I think that now you can't save the world, right? <laughs> so for the people, uh, you know, that, that really matter to you, you know, the amount of people that, that you can actually engage in and maybe have like a meaningful impact with, uh, as far as being prepared for COVID-19, um, something that's somewhat popular that I'm kind of amazed isn't getting talked about more and doesn't seem to have taken off more. Maybe in cities, this is more of a thing, but Telegram has a feature called, I think it's called Telegram Nearby, where if you have it turned on and it's off by default, but you if you turn it on, if there are other Telegram uh, users near you, it will inform you if so, and you can kind of connect with them. And, and it's an interesting idea. It's in my opinion, it's kind of an anti-social media, right? Because it's so hyper-local that you've got to be in range. Okay. And so, and I've only, you know, frankly, I've only had one person ever like contact me with that. And I leave mine on just out of, out of curiosity, you know, uh, if, if somebody comes up, um, and that, that it's kind of sad and, and I'd love to know the metrics of, of how many people like are connecting with, with this. And I could see it being very useful at conferences and everything. Um, but I don't think social media is the answer, but I think, you know, maybe organizing to some degree with a group, uh, say on telegram, I think would be a good idea. Now, let's be clear here. I think there are a lot of people who are expecting or who anticipate perhaps that, you know, what if, what if, you know, again, what if there is a mutation? What if COVID-19 does a whole lot more damage than anybody's really anticipating? You know, what if stuff starts shutting down? What do, what do we do then? Right. Granted, Telegram might not be the best answer for that. Why? Because Telegram is not a federated technology. It's open source, but it relies on phone numbers to, you know, communicate back and forth. Uh, and it also relies upon a data connection, either with Wi-Fi um, or to uh, or to a telco. It basically relies on the Internet. And that's not exactly the most anti-fragile or robust a way to communicate if things are getting shut down or monitored or whatever you might be concerned about. So we're going to go a little bit on the deep end here, but these are things that I think are helpful to getting good practice doing anyway. Um, I like to think that just about any of my listeners are in some form or fashion, really an activist in some way, you know, you are definitely outside of the norm. And so communicating outside of the norm is a good thing to do. If COVID-19 is the impetus for you to start looking into, uh, you know, anti-fragile ways and, and alternative networks uh, of, of doing this, well, here's the time. Um, so the first thing I'm going to recommend now, granted, you know, I'm not a big fan of smartphones, but everybody has one, right? More or less 
Everybody has one. So something I am going to recommend, even if, all right, and this is only on Android, I think there's a way and, and I don't, I really don't know. So iPhones have what's called a multi-peer connectivity framework. And actually, did we talk about this on a sovereign tech? Apple is planning on, I, well, I, I had actually, I predicted this years ago that Apple was planning on creating their own internet. And they are really starting to make that happen. Like we're talking like satellite internet kind of stuff, obviously 5G future bullshit. Um, but that that's on the way. And, or at least it's, it's being planned. Uh, so Stallion was right again. Um, but iPhones are supposed to be able to communicate with each other without a cellular uh, or any kind of data connection. Uh, you know, or like paid for data connection or like Wi-Fi, like they, they can actually, and I mean, and just about every smartphone has Wi-Fi direct where you can, you know, they can act as their own little Wi-Fi router for a minute and they can communicate and, you know, the devices could communicate with each other without an LTE connection or a Wi-Fi, you know, like a Wi-Fi internet, you know, like Comcast or something, one of the, you know, connection to that. Uh, now there is an app. So, so maybe iPhones can do this and I'm just not aware of the apps that, that really allow for it. Um, there are a few apps that have tried this sort of thing before, like fire chat, fire chat, uh, where they used Bluetooth, uh, for it. But the one that I recommend and actually did recently get updated. And I was so happy that it got updated because it felt like it had been over a year since it had gotten an update. And I was kind of sweating that development had stopped. Um, there is an app called Briar, B-R-I-A-R. And I've talked about this over the years. When it first came out in beta, I talked about it. When it had its 1.0 release a couple of years ago, I talked about it. Um, this is not new information whatsoever for Sovereign Tech listeners. Um, I think this has uh, a really a team with a good mindset. The develop, the dev team has a good mindset behind them. Uh, Briar is really in its own way, it is, I guess you could call it social media. I mean, it, or at the very least it has, I mean, it has groups. Um, it has like a way to do blog posts on it. Uh, it's, it's an entirely separate platform. I mean, it, it's really slick. And when it's actually connecting to the big, bad internet, it can, it automatically routes through Tor. Now, as far as I know, that's only available on Android. So this might be a, a good impetus for you to get your hands on an Android phone if you don't. Now, here's the rub. To do these sorts of things, okay, to use, to, to do the things that I am about to describe for you, okay, does not require a Samsung Galaxy S20 up my ass, whatever the fuck the new phones are and who gives two fucking shits. You know, I mean, they're, they're nice shined up turds. You could cram up somebody's ass. But... <sighs> You could use an old phone that you could probably get for 40, 50 bucks or hell. Somebody might just have a phone laying around that they don't use anymore because they just got their, you know, their brand new uh, iPhone 27 that, you know, like, like actually tracks your poop. I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> oh, these things are crazy. And they just happen to have an Android phone laying around like a little Moto E4 or something that, uh, yeah, sure. Here you can have it or, Hey, yeah, buy me dinner and I'll give you this phone. I don't, wh whatever. Like it, it's crazy. The idea that, that you can't get your hands on an Android device somewhere now, like practically for free, if not completely for free. All right. You don't need anything special on it. Uh, the Briar app is, I is also available in F -Droid. It's not just on the Google play store. So you don't even have to have a fucking Google account. How about that? All right. 
Briar, what makes Briar special? Granted, there is all right. So the all information, the entire chat, it's all end to end encrypted. Okay, that's good. It's good encryption. When it does connect to the big bad internet, it uses Tor. But we're not talking about the big bad internet here. We're talking about a local group communicating with each other in a potentially disastrous or some degree of disaster scenario where again, the quote unquote flow of traffic is being disrupted. Okay. And you want to keep on communicating as you do. So the Briar app, certainly within a very local situation, um, can use Wi-Fi direct, uh, Bluetooth, and it, it can connect. It does not need a data connection to, you know, a major telco or to an ISP of any kind. It can work completely independently just between phones. Now, unfortunately, it is, well, that depends how you think about that. Some might find it fortunately. But the range of the Briar app, when it's only using Bluetooth and Wi-Fi direct, is fairly limited. And certainly those radio signals, you know, both Wi-Fi direct and Bluetooth, um, don't, especially what's in a phone, don't do the best job uh, within, shall we say, congested terrain. Okay. As in, you could have a hard time even using it around a Walmart. Okay. Just because of, you know, all, I mean, granted, those are like metal shelving and everything, but you, you get my point is that it is somewhat limited in how that operates. Now, I mean, the idea that the Briar app can bounce off of other, uh, you know, people using the Briar app. I mean, that gets kind of interesting and it can update automatically with the internet. So whatever's going on could get updated based around, uh, you know, cause everything with the Briar apps being done client side and just shared, you know, between the app, whoever has shared keys, which that's going to get into another limitation. We'll talk about that in a second, which is in my opinion, it's a limitation, but it's a welcome one compared to other messaging apps, including Telegram or Signal. Um, but basically anybody that has your key, like, uh, you know, when, when the, more or less, when everything gets shared at that point, now, I mean, there's no back history that you get access to. That's another thing. Uh, I mean, Signal's the same way, right? Like, unless you make a backup of your Signal messages, they don't transfer for each new install of the signal app. Okay. That's, that's true for, there's no real server storage going on here. Okay. With, with the Briar app, but again, in, in certain circles, in certain ways, certainly with activists, uh, in a, but in a survival situation, I don't know that this is so much of a good thing, but regardless, or, you know, in a more preparedness situation, I don't know if it's such a good thing. Um, but regardless, there's a lot of ways where where this is advantageous with the Briar app. Okay. And again, you can do blog posts, you can do groups, you can do, I mean, things akin to bulletin board systems. You can do all kinds of wild shit with it. It's a very full featured app and I like it a lot. Now, why don't, if, if the Briar app has so many great features, why don't I use that say for a sovereign tech group? That's because the Briar app, while it certainly can work over vast distances, right? Because it can connect to the big bad internet or to telcos and send data over that. It requires you, and yeah, there's ways you can do this with a camera, but then that kind of eliminates the privacy aspect of it. Cause what are you going to do it on Skype or something or whatever? Okay. You have the person to, to exchange keys. You've got to use the camera on your device and scan a QR code but you both kind of have to scan a QR code and hold the app over each other more or less. And 
it's most convenient. And the concept I think really is to have the person that you are going to communicate with on Briar right in front of you. Okay. It's just like an old fashioned key party for PGP keys. It's the same concept. I think that's a good thing. And certainly if you're just dealing locally, as far as preparedness goes, um, this is, this is a way to do it. And it's with now here's the other rub. Okay. So there's that. All right. It really incentivizes you to have a person in front of you. Otherwise you'd have to use video chat of some kind on your, you know, on a PC to, to try and share the keys. And even then, I don't know how well that would work. Um, but it will drain the fuck out of your battery. I mean, it, it really, really will. And, and that's, I mean, it, it, it'll drain it hard. One of the most draining apps I've used. Uh, I don't know if there's a way to really, you know, make that work any better based on the way that it works. Um, it's just, I mean, it's like RetroShare, right? Like RetroShare is such a great internet alternative. In fact, that RetroShare could get interesting because if you had a local area network, basically RetroShare is your entire internet in one piece of software and it's all encrypted, but it'd have to be on a local area, on a local area network. I mean, RetroShare can work over the internet as we know it, but on a LAN, um, it, it functions that way as well. Uh, RetroShare is really the, it, it's, it's the briar to the laptop, right? Uh, yes, you can run briar on a Chromebook, by the way, but a Chromebook usually doesn't have, uh, well, no, some Chromebooks, I suppose, would have Wi-Fi direct and Bluetooth, but I'm not sure that the Play Store would have permission for all of those uh, to use to use the Briar app in that way. But the Briar app does work very well on a Chromebook when just accessing the Internet standard. OK. So anyway, uh, so th- those those are those are some options um, as far as that goes. Oh, what I was going to say about RetroShare, like RetroShare is the internet that I want. The problem is for a lot of people is that they don't just, you know, RetroShare will kill. Like if you have a laptop that usually gets, you you have one of those all day laptops, right? That'll get 12 hours easy. Okay. Uh, If you're running RetroShare all the time, which is how most people want to access the internet is have it sort of always available and ready to chat and message and everything. Right. Uh, it'll, it'll take a 12 hour running battery and we'll drop it to about one and a half hours. I mean, RetroShare will just kill your laptop battery in no time. Um, and so that, I mean, that's one of the concerns and one of the flaws here. Now, Briar's not that bad, you know, it, it won't drain it that hard, but it, by comparison, it does drain your battery pretty significantly, um, on your smartphone. So that's something, that's something to consider. Okay. Now, does that mean that you want to bring in, you know, battery packs, uh, to have at the ready to recharge your devices regularly? Uh, sure. And this could get into a conversation around having, um, solar chargers, but actually we'll get into how to charge your smartphone and things like that in a, uh, you know, in a more emergency situation, um, in a second. But before we get into that, uh, we need to talk about what might be for some, the elephant in the room, something that I have been supportive of. Um, admittedly, there's some proprietary technology and encryption involved with this. Okay. But Gotenna, Gotenna has been around for a few years. It was originally a Kickstarter. I want to say six or seven years ago, it ended up being successful. They finally uh, did release a product 
Um, in fact, and they've, they've even honed that product down a bit. Now it's known as Gotenna Mesh. And this is where things get a little weird, okay? Because Gotenna does a lot more than just Gotenna Mesh. So when Gotenna started, the idea was, oh, if you're out hiking, uh, you know, and you don't have cell signal, which actually... I've gone hiking plenty of places now, and it seems like everywhere there's still some kind of cell signal, but I, I imagine there's places where it's not regardless. Um, Gotenna is a little antenna. Okay. That will communicate with your smartphone. You install the Gotenna app that's in the play store or in the uh, iOS app store. And that's the only places you can get it. I'm fairly certain unless somebody made some kind of like open source, app for this. And I, I don't know that they would have necessarily been able to, uh, there's nothing in F droid for this. So you're going to have to get it out of the Google play store. Keep that in mind. Um, but the, you have to use the Gotenna app, but it will be this little, uh, device and the battery on a, on a Gotenna antenna, which is smaller than your smartphone. It's like half the size of your smartphone. Okay. And it comes with a little like rubber strap on it. So you can put it on your backpack or I don't know, your belt loop, I guess, or, or whatever. Um, and it will communicate, uh, you know, it uses uh, specific radio frequencies to where it will communicate without a cell tower. And it doesn't use Wi-Fi direct or Bluetooth to, to handle the communication communication, even though it uses Bluetooth itself to communicate with your smartphone between it and the antenna. So you will have one of these uh, Gotenna mesh antennas and then and you buy them in pairs, and then another person will have one. And basically, depending upon what kind of terrain you're dealing with, you'll get anywhere from half a mile to a little over three miles uh, of range with this. And the battery on these things generally runs about 30 hours. So you can almost get a couple days worth of battery uh, out of these. Okay. And, you know, they charge by USB, I mean, which is, which is kind of nice. We'll explain how this kind of all comes together in the setup that I'm describing. Um, but this is really, I mean, calling it Gotenna Mesh hints at exactly what it is. It's a mesh network. And this is, this is more the direction of if, you know, communication systems shut down or whatever, or, you know, you need to communicate uh, I don't know if you want to run off to the woods, not, maybe not a bad idea either. Right. If you want to run off to the woods and you want to communicate with people, um, this, this is one of the very real ways to go. And it is not, I mean, this is not meant to send out like emergency, you know, SOA signals, whatever, anything like that. This is very specifically, um, you know, meant for communicating with other devices that have, uh, you know, that are connected to a go mesh antenna. Now, Interestingly, this is a very real mesh network. The more devices you have, so if you're a group of 10 to 12 people, perhaps, um, then you can, and boy, we could have a conversation around that of like what kind of group can, you know, is, is the most efficient to survive certain disaster scenarios. Uh, but well, let's just say don't go above 15 there. I'll drop that uh, little nugget. But anyway, <laughs> the more people that have a Gotenna mesh, um, if you're all connected to each other, you actually increase the range because you can all bounce off of each other's antennas. If you're, you know, but again, so the more people that have Gotenna mesh antennas, the better operation, uh, operational power that the mesh network has. That's the nature of mesh networks. I mean, that's, that's not really a new concept, but, but that's how that works. So this is the thing. Now you buy a pair, a pair usually runs you about 180 bucks. Okay. And 
again, you could buy a bunch of them and they'll all just, you know, connect with each other. Um, now, if you're thinking, oh, well, I'll have a Gotenna mesh antenna and I'll use the Signal app and that'll be really secure. Well, for a couple of reasons, no, that's not going to work. One, of course, is, is that Gotenna does not give a shit about your phone number. All right. So, and Signal uses phone numbers to verify identities. Okay. So that's not going to work. The only apps that really communicate are Gotenna made apps. Okay. Or particularly the Gotenna app. In fact, they even have, and this is so I'll just, all right. There's a couple stupid things about Gotenna and I'll talk about them. I'm not saying Gotenna doesn't do great work. They do. And that their technology is, is needed uh, and brilliant. Okay. I don't mean to, I don't necessarily mean to knock them, but you know, if we're talking about a, the system as it were, quote unquote, the system has shut down. Like there's a subscription service called the Gotenna plus app. And it's like, wait, but if the system shut down, like you can't, you can't pay for the, the plus app. Like this doesn't make any sense, right? The banks are gone out, you know, no. <laughs> so, so keep that in mind, but there's only very specific features that really work with the plus version of the app. I just think that's kind of weird that it's subscription based to be fine. If it was like a buy at one time and away you go, but it's a subscription service and okay. Anyway, obviously I think they're just trying to sell to hikers, but certainly a lot, I think really a lot of their audience isn't even hikers. It is people who are into emergency preparedness. Okay. Uh, so I think that's kind of ridiculous. Okay. On, on that and to have a subscription service for their app, but their app works fine. And the app is what you actually uh, communicate with. Now with the plus app, like one of the things you can do is I think you can bounce around like SMS and anyway, that that's not necessary. You're just, you're going to communicate through the, through the Gotenna app. Now it's abundantly clear that, and, and this is the second stupid thing. Like I said earlier, I'm an anarchist. I'm not a fan of law enforcement uh, or the military. And I am speaking as somebody who I am speaking as a veteran, by the way, of the U S army. Um, I do not approve of the existence of militaries in any form or fashion. Okay. Um, there is the Gotenna pro actually, there's also the Gotenna pro X, which the Gotenna pro per device will sell for about 400 or $500. And I think the Gotenna pro X sells for closer to a thousand per device. These are basically the Gotenna, Gotenna mesh on steroids and they are designed uh, or they are built purpose built for militaries and law enforcement to set up, basically set up their own mesh networks um, in, you know, whatever, be it hostile communication territory or how, you know, whatever that looks like. Or I think the other reason they're selling these to, uh, particularly say to law enforcement is because, and we know, we know that this can be done. This isn't conspiracy theory. This is reported fact. Okay. From, you know, TechCrunch, go down the list of the journalistic institution that there are protocols that the police have access to where they can basically shut down um, cellular. I mean, actually it's not even just the police. They do this at Comic-Con at San Diego Comic-Con where they turn off data connections on smartphones when you are seeing a certain panel or going and watching a trailer. And they do that to try and control the information of what you see at Comic-Con and you not sending it to YouTube or whatever. 
Okay. Um, so this is a popular thing to shut down communications within a certain geographic area with smartphones. Uh, if you need to do that, well, maybe the police still need to communicate with each other via smartphone, right? Well, that's where a Gotenna Pro device would come in because it would be the alternative um, that would allow you to communicate. This is a very real problem. Not There's other apps I know that have been used in like in the Hong Kong protests and so on. Uh, I'm not going to go into all of those. I am giving you ones that, you know, for when like really the system's down, these are the things you want to be looking at potentially using. Okay. Or if you just want to start getting to know your neighbors so that you're ready, if, if, uh, you know, if this really like economically hits things to the point that people are scavenging for food or water, who knows, these are possibilities. Okay. So you can, I don't think that's that sales of Gotenna pro devices are exclusive to militaries or law enforcement. Um, even if they are, I, there's plenty of ways to, to, to basically get your hands on this stuff anyway. Um, they are more designed now, again, why do I think this is stupid? Because I am annoyed by the fact that they are, you know, what was originally a Kickstarter that was just trying to, you know, make it a good time for hikers and things like this has now basically turned into something, you know, helping out the war machine and authoritarianism in general. And that annoys the fuck out of me. Okay. And so you want to keep that in mind when you're going with these sorts of things, but this is an option that's out there. And, you know, if, when you need to survive, you, you do things. So <laughs> anyway, um, also now, I mean, Gotenna can do a lot of things where you can also pinpoint, you can do like location pinpointing and stuff like this. Uh, the Gotenna pro devices specifically also work well with something that is known as attack A T A K Android team awareness kit. This is basically, taking Android phones and putting in a lot of tactical software into them. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to go into a deep dive on this. Uh, this might be, I mean, you know, let, let's, let's talk real for a second. And this is part of, I think why I was asked to talk about this. Um, there are technologies that are designed for military use that can be used very peacefully and for the purposes of preparedness and survival. Okay. Uh, you might find some aspects which, you know, attack is, I mean, that that's open for, you know, it's not hard, okay, to get access to this and to make use of it and all that. It's it's basically just like a, a custom version of Android uh, software suite, more or less, that, that takes advantage of Android devices and, you know, gives them, uh, well, anyway, we're, we're not going to deep dive on that, but that might be something you want to look into uh, as well as far as that goes. Uh, Gotenna also, they made that deal with Blockstream where they have what's called a TX Tenna. Um, and that allows for actually Bitcoin transactions. Okay. Between, uh, between Gotenna devices where, where you can do that. Now the, the rub is, okay. It can access, it ultimately will connect to a satellite. And part of the purposes of what we're talking about here is to not even be reliant upon, because if we were reliant upon satellites for communication, and for information, okay, and what we're describing, there is a entire other slew of devices that I would be telling you about right now, okay? But bottom line being is that, because I think this is an important conversation to have as well, you know, if we're talking about where certain areas are experiencing real disruption and, uh, again, problems with the quote-unquote flow of traffic, 
okay, uh, due to COVID-19, um, you know, th- those, these are different conversations that, that, that you have. This is stuff that like anybody should be able to get access to, should not be wildly expensive and that you can have to be prepared to take care of loved ones, friends, and whatever else. Right. Okay. And so you're not going to rely upon satellites for that sort of thing. You're just not. So anyway, but, but that is possible. Um, I was also asked, you know, what do I think about like, say, uh, you know, if the economy is disrupted enough, are cryptocurrencies still going to be viable? Um, things like TX Tena show that yes, they can be. And in fact, they would be the only viable form of currency uh, in this, in this scenario, because I mean, cash would be viable as well, but like cards might be meaningless because you have to have something necessarily to read the card as to where a TX Tena, you just need another wallet, you know, a very simple piece of software that could be, you know, built into the app. Um, so there are, I mean, there's, I think there's a strong argument that in fact, you know, I mean, we can get into some real conspiratorial areas with a lot of this. Um, a lot of people have brought up and I've been tracking it as well, uh, that you have tons of CEOs dropping out of their, you know, out of massive companies right now from Bob Iger, you know, of Walt Disney dropping out of nowhere among others. Um, and some people are wondering, uh, are they getting out of Dodge, you know, because they know that this is going to get a lot worse or that, you know, whatever, maybe there's some puppeteering going on, whatever. And, the, and we've talked about this. We talked about this, I want to say last year or the year before, maybe I think it was in 2018 when we talked about this because Douglas Rushkoff was talking about it uh, for one of his talks around Team Human, I think, where he had, you know, uh, executives for major tech companies asking him, Hey, uh, you know, when the shit hits the fan with the economy and everything, like, what do I do? Like, you know, should I have Ethereum and run off to New Zealand? What do I do? And they were very serious about this. And I think that part of, I mean, and you're already hearing it, you know, Peter Thiel, there's plenty of people who are saying, Oh yeah, you know, we're, we have major holdings in Bitcoin. And I think it's because they know something that doesn't respect borders, doesn't respect laws, Okay, as in doesn't care about them, doesn't need them, doesn't respect any government, you know, but is still very redundant and easily break. You know, I mean, the advantage that cryptocurrencies can have over gold is that, you know, you can you can parse them near infinitely. Right. You know, to however many decimal points you want to go as to where with gold, you have to kind of break it off and then everybody has to sort of decide okay, but how much is this much gold worth and blah, 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 as to where if you have, I mean, again, as much as I hate smartphones, okay, in a, in a survival scenario, smartphone can actually be a very brilliant little device to have because the battery life on some of them can go for quite a while, okay? Um, I mean, even if it was a situation where, holy shit, an EMP goes off or something, you know, or, or there's, you know, a solar flare that, that's just bad enough, uh, you know, if you have them in a Faraday cage, uh, they're, it's easy enough to just pull them out or, you know, a Faraday bag of some kind, right? It's easy enough to just pull them out. And then, you know, you use Gotenna or you use Briar or something, and you actually have a communication network, you know, that's, that's pocketable. That that's amazing. Are we going to talk about radios? Yes. We're going to talk about radios here. We're going to talk about walkie talkies, right? <laughs> okay. We're going to get into that in a second, but you know, this is, this is important to, to, to lay out. So, 
Um, yeah, cryptocurrencies, I mean, and, and we know you can do actually speaking of radio, you can do cryptocurrency transactions over pirate radio. Um, so yeah, I mean, cause you can do data packet radio, right? So th- there's, there's a lot of possibilities here. Okay. That would not take long to implement. And I think could be implemented almost instantly, uh, if the need were there and well, some people feel that with COVID-19 it might be, um, so anyway, Let's move on uh, from that. And basically, I think getting into Gotenna, setting up a Gotenna mesh network with, you know, friends and loved ones, whatever. If anything, it's great practice to get used to, you know, the concept of mesh networking. Okay. Uh, Which is really how, even if there wasn't, you know, any kind of crises going on, is how the internet should work anyway, or how intercommunications, in my opinion, should work anyway. They should be decentralized. Right. But you have to keep that in mind that you're going to be in Gotenna's ecosystem when you're using that. Uh, it'd be great to have open, more open technologies that work around this, but they're just not, they're not really here yet. Okay. So moving along from that, uh, again, link is in the show notes to check out some of these things, but moving along from that, uh, more on the tech side. Uh, yeah. Why don't we just, let's talk about radios. Let's talk about walkie talkies, right? <laughs> Um, two way radios are, I mean, this is another thing where I think this is a practice and a technology that if you are at all ever concerned about instability in civilization itself in whatever shape that takes, you know, or if you're an activist, you should be familiar with how, you know, with the nitty gritty of two way radios. Okay. You really, really should. And you should own them. Um, my kind of the, my go-to company as it were is uh Midland. Um, they have, I mean, because radio is like the ultimate open technology, right? You know, <laughs> so <laughs> nobody really controls that. That's why everybody's, or that's why, or I think, and this is where I do get conspiratorial. Um, I think Silicon Valley and governments and everybody else is trying to get away from that or get people away from that. Uh, and why it used to be so heavily regulated too. But I mean, it still is, but why it started getting so heavily regulated. Uh, but regardless, um, yeah, there's the particularly, you know, if you want just like a quick handheld thing that you could use between you and, you know, your girlfriend or wife or, you know, husband or boyfriend um, or, you know, whatever. Uh, I like, and, and I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. There's uh, the GXT 1000 VP4. This is kind of Midland's latest handheld. And, you know, very, very pocketable, even though it has a clip, you know, I mean, it's a little thick, uh, but, you know, easy to hold in the hand. Uh, the nice thing about two-way radios compared to smartphones is, you know, they they really only do one thing and the batteries on them will last for fucking ever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, now, to charge these, this is kind of the one area that I, well, we'll get into another radio that I think everybody should have. But these are great to, you know, basically if you had a group of a few people that you were like a preparedness group, which I think is a fine and dandy thing to have in whatever geographic area you happen to live in. If you have like a small preparedness group, everybody should have one of these, one of these little Midland jobs. And then, you know, maybe every couple or family or whatever should have the next thing. Now, all of these, all of these two-way radios also have, this is something that people aren't necessarily used to using our privacy codes that will give you some degree of blocking out other conversations. But again, keep in mind, radio is an open standard. So this isn't exactly going to give you encryption, but it's, you know, it's a way of not, 
intermingling with other conversations in your local area, especially if in a preparedness situation, that could be a very real possibility. Uh, the other one, and this is probably my favorite radio of all time. Uh, well, so, okay. The price on the, um, on the GXTs that for a pair that runs 70 bucks, not bad. Right. Uh, especially compared to Gotenna. Um, the, but the one I really love is, and you only buy one of these. It doesn't come as a pair because it's basic concept is as a base camp radio. It's not huge. It has, you know, a nice handle on it. If you remember what it, like an old radio with a singular mono speaker on it, they used to carry around with you, not a boom box at all. Uh, but like that people used to do and you pop a couple D batteries in it or something like that. It's about that size. Uh, and that's the Midland XT 511. Um, this thing this is just one of the best things, best pieces of kit you could possibly own for any reason. Okay. Regardless of preparedness or anything like that, this is a very, very handy thing to have. Uh, and it allows for, so here's the beauty of it. Okay. It has great range compared to your standard two way radios. Cause it's much larger, has a bigger antenna. Um, it has that great range, but also what comes in this is it has a crank charger. So you can charge the radio itself with that, recharge the battery with cranking. Okay. Or you can actually connect through USB, say you could connect a smartphone to it, or you could charge other radios with it. And this is just one of those really handy things to have. Okay. Um, there's another radio that's not two way that I'm going to lay out for you, uh, that I'm a huge fan of. And actually a sovereign tech listener bought me one, which was very kind of them, um, that I think is really necessary kit. Uh, but this has a lot going for it. The XT 511. I think this is essential technology to get your hands on. Um, same thing where it has privacy codes, has all that has a flashlight built into it, has the NOA weather scan, um, you know, has an alarm that you can set on it. You know, it has the clock, all the good stuff. Um, this works really, really nice. Uh, again, just an essential thing to have. Everybody can have your pocketable Midlands, you know, that's great. But I also think every such and so many people, you should have some kind of base camp set up and this just should just be there. Okay. Uh, and again, it gets really, really great range. You can power it with, uh, with batteries as well. But again, you pop in the rechargeables uh, or there's a rechargeable NIM pack inside of it but you can also power it with like double a batteries. Um, really, really slick. And I love having that crank option that makes it really handy. So getting familiar with, you know, good old fashioned two way radio again, I think is absolutely essential. Um, now for one way radios, um, I'm a big fan of this one. It's by a company called Eton or Eton maybe, uh, but it's E T O N. Uh, they've been around for a while and they have the FRX three, uh, hand crank, uh, alert radio, weather alert radio. And this is, this is nice for a few reasons. One is it can do the same thing. Like we mentioned uh, with the base camp radio, where you can charge a smartphone with it, right? Just by using the, you know, the internal battery, which you recharge either with a crank. Uh, this also has a light built into it. Uh, it has the speaker, which, you know, all of these basically have where you can hear stuff out loud, of course. Um, but the, you know, it has an aux in, which is really nice. So hell, you know, if you've got some actual local stored music, you have a good time in the woods. I don't know, but, <laughs> uh, but what else is really nice about it is that it also has solar, um, on it, on the handle. So this can charge with uh, solar power and that makes things interesting because then effectively any USB device you have or any device you're going to charge with it, uh, it can effectively get charged with solar power, uh, to have this around. So I think this is another one to have handy 
Definitely one of those things I always think you should keep in your car. I certainly do. Um, but link is in the show notes if you want to check those out. But th- that's, you know, on the tech end of things, those are the things I think you should you should really have. Um, you know, have two-way radios, go with the Gotenna thing. Like I said, a smartphone can be a really brilliant device. Once you get out of the idea of it connecting to telcos and the big bad internet, right? And if you were in an emergency scenario, I mean, I'll admit it, like I would, I'd rip out the fucking SIM card if you could. You know, I mean, because I know some devices you can't has eSIM, right? If you're using that, but I'd rip out the SIM card and like, and I'd never, basically, I'd never turn on the Wi-Fi again, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> I would make that thing, you know, as, as dumb as possible as far as uh, various uh, frequencies that it's using. And I mean, that's going to save power on it. I mean, imagine like, you know, how much more battery life you'd get out of a smartphone if you turned off at the LTE radio. So, you know, that becomes, that really does, especially some of these, I mean, are, well, like here, I have the Moto X4. This thing's waterproof. Um, I mean, practically indestructible. That's great. You know, you, you have this great little device that can do so much and that you can charge, you know, if you have the, uh, uh, shit, what's the model number again? <laughs> if you have the, uh, the FRX3, you can charge it with solar and, and away you go and, and you've got devices. Uh, you know, even in, in, in a really disastrous situation. So this is the stuff, you know, having communications, that's really where the tech angle comes in with a lot of this is having communications when you need them in a situation where maybe some of the communications are down or clogged or et cetera. Right. So that's where I'd run with a lot of those. Now I want to, I want to get into, we're going to stop for a second. And then I want to spend a little bit of time talking about things that aren't exactly like tech, you know, electronics, okay. Not electronics that I want to recommend to you. That comes more from my military background as far as this goes. Okay. Um, so before we do that, got to tell you, you know, a place where I'm sure this conversation is running wild uh, about, uh, you know, COVID-19 that would be on sovereign tech sponsor, free talk live. And I want you to check them out if you haven't, while you can, (laughs) even though, I'm sure free talk live is one of those things, you know, I mean, you, you can hear that ever satellite. I mean, it's everywhere, right? <laughs> it's one of those things that even when everything else shuts down, free talk live is probably still going to be airing. I mean, that that's a, cause that show goes seven nights a week, 365 days a year, three hours a fucking night. You couldn't, you couldn't stop that, you know? And actually I know uh, one of the hosts, uh, Ian is really, really big still on using two way radio. Um, so anyway, Check it out, freetalklive.com. You got a lot to listen to. It is the number 26 now, the number 26 talk show in the United States. Man, if you've got things you want to talk about, that is the place to do it because it is an open phone show and you can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. Have a great time doing it. And I mean, you are just, you are in for a ride every episode you listen to a Free Talk Live. So go to freetalklive.com and I thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. And really, I mean, they're allowing this kind of information to get out there uh, and for people to talk about it. So, and like I said, I don't, especially the Briar app, I haven't seen anybody else recommend that, even though I think that's a totally valid thing, uh, totally valid app to make use of. Granted, it's not going to have tremendous range. Uh, There might be ways to improve that range a little bit, but you know, it, it's, it's viable and it's, it's already available. It's something that you can already do with something in your pocket. You don't have to buy anything else. You don't have to buy another antenna. You don't have to buy a two-way radio. You don't have to buy whatever. And, but it works without the telcos. That's really important. And it works without, you know, even Comcast or, you know, whatever ISP that's really important. Um, 
Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, again, the non-electronics part of, you know, of preparedness and I guess general survival in a way. Um, I said this on the on the Telegram group. The most important thing that you can have as far as preparedness and survival, okay, the single most important thing that you can buy is a shovel. Go ahead and laugh. I'm not kidding. A survival shovel or military style survival shovel. And I'll put a link in the show notes to one. And it's a shovel that sells for over 200 bucks. Okay. But that's how important I think that these are. Uh, is an absolute lifesaver and is something that, you know, it's more than just a shovel when it's built right. Okay. Uh, I mean, they'll do little tricks on it where on, you know, on the shovel, on the spade itself, it'll have a serrated edge where it can work as a saw on the other edge. Uh, it'll be razor sharp so that you can use it like an ax or like a knife of a type. Um, often there will be inside the shaft, the handle, okay. Of the, of the shovel and understand that these are, you know, these survival shovels will fold up to where, you know, you could carry them in a very, very small pack and you can have them attached to your belt and you wouldn't even know they were there. Uh, and they're usually made of aluminum or titanium, something along those lines that make them very lightweight. Uh, this is not, this is the one thing out of everything I'm telling you about, you do not want to skimp on. This is, this is just the one thing people, everybody should fucking have is a survival shovel. Okay. Because, you know, it like, let's say water shuts down, you know, go down the list of it. You got it. <laughs> Look folks, as important as food is defecating is right. You got to take a shit but you can't just leave shit laying around all over the place. So otherwise you're going to have more diseases than COVID-19 to contend with more conditions to contend with. Okay. So there's that aspect of it. There are a million reasons why having a survival shovel is key, but again, it's not just a shovel. It can also be your saw. It can also be, you know, if you, if you need to be going lightweight, I mean, I love the old Robert Heinlein quote of never own more than, you know, what you can carry in a bag and, and, you know, move in a brisk run with, you know what I mean? I mean, that I, I didn't get it exactly, but that's kind of his gist. And, uh, I totally, you know, I love that. I love that concept. And certainly in a preparedness scenario, that's exactly the way you should be thinking. Um, you know, if it's that bad, okay. Uh, you can have more stuff. You can have a Berkey water filter and all these other things. I get it. Okay. That's great. We'll talk about a pocketable way of having a wall or great working water filter, but Regardless, all that's great to have that at home, but then if things are that bad, you might need to, you know, have to get up and run. So a survival shovel is totally key. And like I said, inside like the, the shaft of a lot of these, they'll have, you know, uh, like usually they'll have uh, matches or they'll have like a magnesium stick so that you can start fires. Uh, they'll have, you know, fishing line and hooks, kind of like what you'd see inside of like a classic, uh, you know, Rambo knife. Uh, or survival knife of some kind. Um, I don't understand this. Like, I don't think having a knife is necessarily a problem. I mean, you're talking to a guy who literally has a Victronics Tinker Swiss army knife in his pocket at all times. That's me. Okay. I don't re I don't necessarily have a problem with that. This is, I'll touch on this briefly. Okay. You are already, if you are in this kind of scenario where Tensions are already so high. People are scared to death of each other because they're afraid they're going to catch this or that. Okay. You don't need anything 
in my opinion, and I know there's people who would think the opposite direction with this, I would challenge it. You don't need anything on you that is going to heighten tensions or engage the fight or flight response any more than what civilization at that point or what society at that point is already, already has. You don't need it. Okay. Now there are people who would say, Oh no, like why isn't the first thing we're fucking talking about should be, I should have an eighth, you know, AR 15. I should be ready to fucking blow people away when, when COVID-19 comes to town and all. shut up. You have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. And there's nobody who actually really saw any action in any military that would fucking recommend that for a second because they would know if they were actually in any of those scenarios, okay, where there were heightened tensions of any kind, people were either scared of, you know, if it wasn't some kind of virus, they were scared of, of landmines or uh, of suicide bombers or whatever the fuck else they would know that. No, you do not display force. You make things aware of what you are affiliated with, which that can be problematic in itself, but you do that but you do as much as you can to de-escalate tensions. Okay. Putting, you know, when, when you see a military guy put his M 16 behind his back, there's more to that than it just being in his way. There is, okay, I am going to help you. I am getting this tool of death out of the situation. You want to de-escalate things, all right? And I would argue that even carrying around some K-bar knife is enough to escalate a situation and to raise tensions, and that is the antithesis of what you want. That kind of weaponry, guns, and I mean, knives, you know, there's an argument for those. I'm I'm not not like anti-knife or something, you know? If you want to be, if you don't want to be messed with, there is a certain, well, there's a few things you do if you really don't want to be messed with. Okay. You have to understand guns and, you know, certain, certain other types of weaponry, they are false senses of power for yourself, but they are also false projections of power. Okay. They are false projections of dominance. If you really don't want to be fucked with, there is a look that you have, and you can talk to self-defense instructors about this. They all know exactly what I'm talking about. There is a look that you have in your eye. There is a certain stride that you have. There is a way that you carry yourself that is far more disarming, okay, than any gun or knife will ever be. And part of that, it is a certain confidence, And part of the way of having that confidence, one, is to be fucking healthy and fit, okay, as much as you as possible for you. The other part is actually in having knowledge of how to survive any situation you find yourself in, being prepared, which is what we're talking about here. I say all this to suggest to you that I understand why you need a sharp-bladed object. I understand why you need all these other things in a preparedness scenario. I fucking get it. I have been there. I've been on bivouac. I have been in these scenarios more than probably most people on the planet. 
I've been in very ugly towns where there isn't even running water. And everybody is looking to blame somebody. I know. Okay. And let me tell you, being as peaceful and as peace forwarding as possible in those situations is what will allow you to survive and stand tall. And so having a shovel, while you may think it ridiculous, is a great tool that can have everything you want out of a knife or whatever else. Okay. But also be non-threatening. You understand? That's part of the beauty of having a shovel in that situation. And that's why I say that's the one thing to have. And you say, well, I know nobody's ever talked about this before. And that's because most of these idiots that talk about preparedness and other things are just that. They have not been in these situations. They have delusions of grandeur and, and, and some kind of hero complex in their mind where, I, I, I don't know, you know, and, and it's fucking ridiculous. There is a psychology to preparedness, okay, and to survival that goes far beyond uh, and, and is far more important than anything that can fire a projectile. I, it's a joke when I hear people talk about that sort of stuff. It's like, go fucking shit yourself. You have no idea. You have not been in any of these situations. You have no idea what the hell you're talking about. And this is not Vietnam. And I say that with respect to people who had to go through that hell. Anyway, shovel, very key. Okay. Not just for defecation management, but for all kinds of other things. And again, these survival shovels are much more than shovels. All right. That is, that is, you know, having a shovel and a good two-way radio, you know, those are two pieces of kit that, that are going to take you far as far as this goes. Next bit of thing to get, and this is the wonders of some modern technology that I will applaud. Uh, the life straw, which is a brilliant, uh, new bit of tech. Um, I recommend the, there, there's the life straw go water bottle and it's a full on water bottle that uses the life straw. Okay. Which, you know, sanitizes and, you know, cleans the water pretty well. And you can get these things for 35 bucks a pop and they'll last you so long. I mean, and it, it's a bottle that you can just clip on, you know, maybe you have a backpack with, uh, you know, plenty of hooks and loops and everything. And I mean, you could just strap this on and bam, you know, and, and there's your water more or less covered, right. For personally anyway. So get one for everybody and rock and roll. Yeah. You can have the big Berkey water filter, whatever, you know, if you want at home. Um, but I think having the, the life straw, you know, having one of those water bottles is not look, don't use it. I, I don't necessarily, I mean, you can use it every day, I guess, but if your idea is to have it for preparedness, then, you know, just keep it ready for that. Okay. And, and use a regular water bottle the rest of the time. But, um, I think that's a brilliant, brilliant piece of tech. So the life straw go, you know, that that's going to handle, um, your water. Obviously that's incredibly important. Uh, you know, something you have to take a little more seriously than even food. So you want to be jumping on that. And that is really the very simple answer, the way to go. Um, if you want to, you know, other things that you might want to, I mean, we could, you know, we can get into the simple part of what do you do walking through society right now? You know, when people are infected, uh, well, I mean, you see plenty of people doing it, right? They're walking around wearing face masks. Now there's an interesting conversation to be had around face masks, uh, because, you know, if, if there is, so like I said, especially like in Southeast Asia, in other countries, wearing a face mask, is, it, it's not odd at all. It's incredibly commonplace. I mean, I remember, unfortunately, 
People used to make fun of Michael Jackson for wearing a face mask all the time. Um, whatever his reasons for doing that, there's no reason to make fun of him for that. Uh, a part of me wishes that wearing face masks was actually really commonplace, especially when we live in a surveillance society now that is, you know, constantly engaging in facial recognition. I mean, we only have to look at Clearview AI to see just how bad that can get. Uh, so, you know, a potential silver lining here is that if everybody's walking around wearing face masks, which is not a bad idea, uh, there has been kind of a, a mad dash on the N95 Plus from 3M, uh, which is uh, a very common one uh, to use. It, you know, it has a closer fit than, say, a surgical mask would. Uh, the Again, that's the N95 Plus, if you can get your hands on them. I mean, there's other ones that are a little more serious, have varying filters on them and all this. Uh, those, are, those are great and wonderful things to have. Um, now, so that, that's great for the face masks. And again, I mean, if the, if the kind of the, the byproduct of that is to increase our privacy, Hey, cool. You know, like, I, I mean, it's not cool that people are dying from, you know, COVID-19, but if this normalized face masks in the United States, I'll take that win. That that's, that's okay with me, you know? <laughs> so Anyway, um, you know, the N95 face mask, I mean, that that's, yes, I think the shovel is the most important thing, but this is really step one. Um, and it's where we could have started this whole conversation, but that that's something to get your hands on. Now, like I said, closer to the beginning of the show, there are a lot of people or clearly who are buying up germ X, you know, and, and the importance of washing your hands. Okay. And this is really Man, I could get into a big conversation around this because I see so many people that do not I, that do not wash their hands. I get it when like maybe you're at home, okay, and it's not such a big deal, right? You might just like rinse your hands quick or something like that. Like I, I can almost understand that, but like I go to the gym, like I said, all the time, and the amount of people that don't wipe down the equipment or don't wash their hands uh, after going to the bathroom, and I see it. You know, I mean, at, at some point. I don't like to shame people. I really don't unless they deserve it, but that's, I mean, and, and <laughs> yes, Mark Zuckerberg deserves all the fucking shame we can give him. Larry page deserves all the fucking shame that you can heap on him. Yes, they do. These people's are, they, these are, these are people that are just enemies to humanity. I don't want anything, you know, I don't want them to die, but I sure as fuck want them to get some comeuppance. Anyway, um, I mean, you toss anybody in the Sinister Six right in there with it, you know, <laughs> Tim Cook, you, you piece of shit. Uh, anyway, all right. So, you know, at some point, maybe, <laughs> maybe we should like really start. I mean, I guess we could try being kind about it, but I don't know that that's going to work. But say to people that don't wash their hands, especially out in public, like, hey, you know, would you mind? <laughs> COVID-19 is going around <laughs> now. So anyway, washing your hands, great fucking thing, right? I mean, this is what allowed the Jews to survive the black plague really because it was religious edict. Not that they knew that washing their hands was somehow saving their asses, but it did. And of course, then what happened? Well, then everybody blamed the Jews. It was like, wait, why, why aren't they dying? Oh, they caused it. No, they just washed their goddamn hands. <sighs> anyway, so here's the thing, germ X, don't do it. Don't do it. There was a study done and it's funny. I heard this 
on a podcast recently. And then I looked into it myself Didn't just take somebody's word for it as you should not. Okay. Um, and it was totally unrelated, it had nothing to do with COVID-19, but they mentioned that I think it was 2014 that there was uh, research done that showed that when you use uh, like Germex and that, that type of, of dry soap uh, or dry hand, hand sanitizer, that it actually opens up your pores more and agitates them and basically opens them up more for infection. So like, sure, it's cleaning your hands, but then it's leaving all of your, you know, more of your pores open on your hands and it's basically weakening your, your dermal layer. And that, I mean, that, that, and, and what kind of what they were getting at was that it was allowing say BPAs and other things from like thermal uh, uh, receipts that you'd pick up. Um, because a lot of people do this, you know, you, before you walk into the store, you, you rub some Germex on your hand, but then you go and touch the receipt and you'd get BPAs into your hands because your hands were now more susceptible because you use the Germex. It would seem antithetical, but that's exactly what happens. So Germex, I would say, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. You're actually opening yourself up more to, uh, you know, potentially to COVID-19 or really anything else. Um, so I do my, I mean, they, there's times where I guess they could be better than nothing, but if you're in a public area, absolutely not. Uh, I would not do anything to open up your pores more like that. Like that, that's, that's the antithesis of what we want. Um, so I don't recommend Germex if people thought that somehow that was a great goddamn idea. Uh, clear, you know, and again, clearly they did. That's why it's sold out on Amazon. Uh, no, 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 no. I am telling you here on sovereign tech, stay the fuck away. Uh, and you can look up that research for yourself. It's not woo shit at all. This is, this was, this is hardcore research done. Um, so anyway, uh, there, there's, there's that. Okay. <laughs> Let's steer clear of that. So face mask, no Germex. go ahead with the face mask. I think that, and there's a lot of great privacy opportunities. Uh, and that, that has a tech angle in itself, right? You know, is, is hiding your face and so on. Uh, I think that's, that's wonderful. Uh, me personally, I think um, people would get along with me a lot better if I hid my face so because <laughs> I have a face for radio, but, <laughs> but good thing two-way radio is going to be hot. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. Get, get away from that. Uh, the last couple bits, and I guess this is technically a technology, but get back into, and I I've said this many times on, on sovereign tech, get back into wearing watches, get a solar powered watch, get something that's practically indestructible, get back into wearing watches again. Okay. You know, synchronizing time and a lot of the stuff is absolutely key for preparedness and survival. Uh, you know, if you're thinking that, you know, you want to implement some military strategies or something into your preparedness scenario, which like I said, there's some validity to that idea. Um, no self-respecting military person would not go around without a watch. They are not going to, they're not going to look at an Apple watch. They are not going, they're why, why would you rely on those fucking things or even a smartphone, quite frankly, uh, you know, or at least upon a smartphone's connecting to the big bad internet in those kinds of scenarios. Now you're going to wear a fucking watch, you know, get yourself a, a classic, you know, a good Casio that has solar, tough solar on it. Those things are talk about veritably indestructible. Um, I've been wearing one forever since I was in the military. Um, you know, I mean, that's, that's just a great, great thing. Great piece of tech to have on you get used to wearing a watch again. Ellen wears, she wears a G force Casio watch as well. That has tough solar. I mean, these are just great things to have. Um, so I definitely recommend that 
you know, being able to synchronize actions in general and preparedness and survival scenarios is absolutely key. There's a million other reasons you would want to watch. You'd want to know what time it is. Okay. Not all of us are going to quickly learn how to tell what time of day it is by the sun, where the sun's position is right, right away. All right. So this is, this is really, really key. Um, and again, the watch does not need to, I mean, yes, you know, even a solar battery eventually will stop recharging, but anyway, or, you know, that, that whole process will stop, can stop sooner or later, but there, I mean, there's other ones, what the eco drive that citizen has, those are supposed to go like a hundred years. Those are crazy. Get a watch. Okay. Get a good solar powered watch. Really? Um, Last bit I will recommend is uh, something that's very packable, lightweight, and has saved my hide a million times is a bivy sack. Okay. This is a very simple uh, piece of material. It's more hardcore than the simple. I mean, these are things you could have as well. You know, if you're concerned that far where you have like the, what they call the NASA blankets, right? Where it's like an aluminum uh, a sheet that, you know, will, will help keep you warm. Um, a bivy sack is a little, is a, quite a bit of an upgrade from that. Okay. Where it, it operates on the principle of reflecting your own body heat back onto you to keep you warm. But a bivy sack, you can turn into a tent. You could turn into a sleeping bag and they're designed to be where you pack them in something like almost the size of, of a, you know, a fairly large man's uh, fist. Okay. Like that, that's the concept. And again, I mean, a key part to this is having stuff that is very lightweight, not terribly expensive. A good bivy sack costs you 60 bucks. I mean, you could spend a few hundred dollars on a good bivy sack, but I mean, a good decent one will be about 60 bucks today. Uh, link is, would be in the show notes for one that I'll, I'll recommend. That's fine. Um, but these are the, just the simple things that you can have on you more or less at all times that you can carry. If you got to go on a run, if you got to get away, whatever, um, that, that work again, you have the, you know, you have the life straw, uh, go water bottle. Okay. That will filter your water for you right on, right on the bottle itself. Uh, you've got your survival shovel. You got your bivy sack, right? You have your face masks. You got your watch. Um, you know, hopefully you're, I mean, the, the radios I mentioned, most of them, except for the, the base camp X 511, uh, most of them are pretty small. You know, these are not things that are going to weigh you down in any way, shape or form. In fact, you'd barely even need a backpack for this kind of stuff to carry it around. So if you had a bug out bag of some kind, all of this would easily fit in there with room for clothes and whatever else to spare. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not sure really where I would add onto that. I do want to say, I guess I want to close off because we've been going for almost two hours now and I want to wrap this baby up and I, I hate wrapping it up on a, on a sour note, but I'm just going to share with you my, my own personal opinion. This is not conspiracy. This isn't anything like that. I think it has a genuine scientific basis. Okay. As our civilization on earth, um, you know, continues to fall prey to, shall we say, I don't like to use the word globalization in the, in the negative, but basically, you know, we warn all the time, even just on the internet, in the tech world, that you don't want a monoculture, right? You want uh, diversity of standards of technologies, of networks, even, even though we're, we're working on that, uh, and so on. You want a, and, and just like in nature, 
you want biodiversity. Biodiversity is what allows evolution to do all the wacky and amazing shit that it does. And that's how you end up with us. Unless you think we're a mistake, which, well, that's another conversation and argument entirely. But <laughs> you want biodiversity. Biodiversity is going out the door um, with, I mean, you know, I don't, we don't have to raise the red flags about GMOs and all this other stuff or the fact that only four companies on the entire planet basically control all the seeds available on the planet and so on. Um, we are creating a very real monoculture for human civilization. It's happening. And with the ability to, without any diversity in human civilization. And again, I mean, you, you have so many people who are even arguing, no, we don't want diversity. We don't, no, 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 stay, put up our wall. We, we want to keep our, you know, we, we want to keep white and happy here. And, and, you know, you need to be like us if you want to come in and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you're basically inspiring the whole world to act like, you know, one kind of person or one kind of, or, you know, or just the fact of, I mean, hell, I, well, this is where I am getting kind of conspiratorial. I mean, I think half of, half the terrorist acts that happen around the world are frankly are real estate deals. So that you can put in a new shopping mall on top of what was once, uh, you know, and uh, a, a historically protected uh, ancient site, you know, out of Babylon or who knows what. When you have a monoculture, when you don't have biodiversity, when you don't have diversity, then all it takes is one thing to poison the entire well, because there's only one well. And that's a problem. That's a very real problem. And I don't see, as I've said over and over again on this show, I am a uh, short-term pessimist, but a long-term optimist. I think humanity can get through all of this. I really do. Before we become a, a, you know, I mean, one of the big drives for a lot of people, why they want to go out into the solar system is that we want to be a multi-planetary species. Why? Because I think deep down, we know that, that it's, we're, we're, we're losing biodiversity here and that all it takes is one, one clever virus to take down the whole species, you know, and, and as long as we're on some other planet, hopefully we can control the situation to the point to where, okay, well, the virus won't, won't infect those humans and humanity can live on. Now, is there some kind of ethical requirement for humanity to live on, you know, by the, some like universal ethical requirement, you know, that the universe put down upon? No, but that's not the point. If you, the conscious, the you, the consciousness that is you, wants to survive this diversity that's going away by the day, these are good steps to have. Cause I, I think it's in some, to some degree, I think it's a matter of time. Is it COVID-19? Uh, is it the next thing? Uh, is it whatever economic scenario that's going to hit? Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe, I don't know. I'm not going to say for certain. Okay. I don't have a crystal ball. Not for this sort of thing, <laughs> but I think at some point the Piper has to get paid for what we're doing. And I don't mean we as in, you know, me and you, but the powers that be for what they're doing. The Piper's got to get paid at some point. And when that time comes, it's a good idea, regardless of how rocky or not rocky it may be, 
it's a good idea to be ready. And what I laid out in this show is stuff that is, you know, we, we didn't really get into food again, that that's a whole other conversation for other people to get into. Okay. I'm not telling you to pack a bunch of MREs or just have cans of beans at all time. I mean, you know, something I wouldn't mind recommend or wouldn't mind saying, uh, have a great can opener. <laughs> you know, if you want to add something onto the list, have a great fucking can opener. Right. But just be, this is stuff that they, that will last you, that can last you forever, you know, or as long as your life anyway, um, have it, you know, be ready for this kind of thing. There is a confidence that happens that even if it never happens, which, Hey, maybe it won't, that even if it never happens, there's a confidence of you being ready for even the, the worst disaster that will go forward and that will, will, will bear fruit in the rest of your life right now, just being prepared and knowing that you have the knowledge of how to handle a disastrous situation, a pandemic, a economic crises, whatever, knowing that you know how to survive, uh, you know, will, will really, I mean, it has direct effect on your personal success in life. And I don't mean monetary, fuck that. I don't mean that. I just mean in your relationships, in how you engage the world, in your happiness. I, I almost died. I don't talk about it often. Okay. I mean, whenever people hear about it, oh, you know, they, they suddenly stop it. <gasps> you know, I guess you don't meet a lot of people in your life that, that have, uh, you know, taken a bullet. Well, I have, and I almost died on the operating table. This is when I was, was in the military. Surviving that we didn't get into that either, you know, med kits and all that stuff. But I mean, you, you can, you can buy those again. There's other, you don't just want to come to me for the sources on how to do this. Okay. Yeah. You want to own a med kit. Okay. There's nice packable ones that you can get of those that have the good basics in them. Nice. Go for that. Okay. There are, you will experience moments and you experience people. And I can, I like to say, I can see it in their eyes when I know someone else who walks around with the confidence of that they have either seen death up close or they experienced it. And I don't mean that they saw somebody die in a hospital bed. No, I mean, they've seen death cause death or they have had their own brush, real brush with it. Not like, wow, if I stepped to the left, I would have died. Not like that. No, I mean, they almost died. You can see it in the person's eyes. There are two ways that I've seen most people handle any of those scenarios, either one, they are continually traumatized by it. And really anybody's always continually traumatized by it to the point that there's just parts of them where they don't, they're not able to function normally within society, or this is the other one, or they walk around with a certain happiness because they know that at the very, that there are certain things that other people walk around afraid of that keeps them from being happy because they have the certain lack of confidence or whatever they, they don't run into that. Doesn't mean they don't feel fear. Of course I feel fear, but there is an extra bit of happiness because there is the simple joy that they are alive in that moment. And that even when the worst happens, they have seen the worst or something close. 
and that they can get through it. And there is a confidence to have in that. I don't want anybody to have to go through the shit that gets you to that point. Okay. But I am telling you that even you getting engaged, becoming knowledgeable about this sort of thing, whether COVID-19 blows over like last year's cold or, or last week's cold or what. Okay. But knowing how to survive, having just a little bit of equipment, having a little bit of goods to be able to survive and at least having the conversation about it can improve your happiness in your life right now and going forward into many years to come. I guarantee you that. So there, I was able to turn this into where it's not a sour note to where, no, this can improve your happiness right now. So links are in the show notes for everything I talked about. Okay. You can check it out for yourself, research things for yourself. Do you have to buy the exact thing that I laid out? No, maybe if you, you know, I mean, we're all in different economics uh, situations right now. Maybe you want to get something uh, cheaper, you know, that, but you think will do fine for you. Great. Okay. You rock and roll. I am just laying out what I recommend and what I've used and that I know works. That's, that's all I've got for you. But again, walk away from this, having a newfound confidence in the world. And that ultimately leads to more happiness for you. So that will be it for this very special Sovereign Tech, which ended up going over two hours, <laughs> but it was a necessary one and an important one and an important conversation to have. So we'll leave it there. Feel free to go to Zomia1.com if you have questions about this. Uh, you can get in questions, uh, actually, and we'll cover them on, on uh, our Zomia1 Underground uh, Zomia One Underground only Q&As. And of course, you got to sign up for those at Zomia1.com, but you can do that, get access to them, make it happen. And I'm honored uh, when you do, but we'll wrap this one up here. Stay safe out there. Stay healthy. Stay prepared. I'll see you on the other side. Woo! Thank you for listening to Sovereign Tech, an Osiris One production. Now go out there and make some trouble. <laughs>